This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we hope to provide a place of connection, rest and encouragement for you who are on the journey of living out your passion and purpose in Jesus Christ just like us. We're glad to welcome you. Um, my name is Sister Miriam James and I am joined by my beautiful friends Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. And you know, all of our listeners hear us whatever time of day they want to. We're actually recording this in the evening, which we don't usually do. So Heather it's the evening. It's been a long day. How are you holding up as we dive into this amazing new series we're going to start? The day is done. This is my favorite part of the day. <laughs> People have been fed and watered, and now I am sitting in an office with a candle lit. It's very nice. Oh. Yeah, no, it's good. And, you know, our I was homeschooling two of our girls. I only have two girls, but <laughs> so let's go to two girls. Where the other two are, I'm not really sure, but they're you know, there. Oh they're children. coming. They're coming. <laughs> is that prophetic? Don't. Okay. Yes. So anyway, um, we homeschooled our two girls, but our son is still going to like the regular school. So our girls are finished and he still has a month of school left. So we are trying really hard to not act like we're excited and we wait until he's gone. And then there's a lot of rejoicing around our house, but <laughs> I feel really bad for him. Anyway, I know down in the States, you guys, um, most of you are done. Michelle, your kids are done school? Yes, we are all done. We are in total full summer mode and I'm loving it. Like I am sitting at my desk in my office, but I'm looking at all my neighbors out front talking and my kids are still running around the house outside in the pool with other kids. And we just have one of those like front porch neighborhoods where neighborhoods where everyone is out and about at night, especially in the evening. And I just love it. I love the conversations between neighbors. I love that late after dinner time where everyone's just out sitting on porches and talking and um yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, full summer mode. How about you, sister? Well, I'm good. I'm helping out with a retreat this week, and it's been a wonderful first day of our retreat. So, um, yeah, I've been praying for the people and just kind of, you know, leading and guiding them in different areas. So it's always wonderful to serve uh, with the Jump All Two Healing Center down here in Tallahassee. So I'm in your neighborhood, Michelle. So, I yeah, know. you all got a new bishop and everything. We did. That's exciting news. We um, got a new bishop on Monday. It was announced and we're really excited. He's from Austin and um, a priest of the Holy Cross order. And um, so Notre Dame fan, maybe he'll pray that Notre Dame has a winning football season. But um, we're really excited. He has a lot of zeal and energy and we are just excited to see what the Holy Spirit's going to do with him. So we are excited. He's coming to Pensacola. And his name is what? Father William Wack, I believe is his name. Yeah, Wack, Wack. I can't. Walk. Yeah, Father Bill Wack. And so, um, Wack is way was, more fun. Yeah, it's no, totally more fun. It's totally like German fun. or something. Bishop Wack. So, yeah, but <laughs> he's just fun. Like he's got uh, one of our friends asked him uh, when they were meeting at the chancery if he could be the patron saint of anything, what would it be? And he looked at her and said, Annie asked him, and he looked at her and goes, "That's a great question." Like really animated, he goes hmm. He goes, I think I want to be the patron saint of fun. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, that was not the answer we were expecting, but we were loving the uh, reply. So it's going to be interesting to see. That's you know, great. we're excited though. You know, God is definitely about something new, so it'll be good. Yeah. Well, he he seems like a really joyful man, and so it's very interesting that we're talking about this because we're going to start a five-part series with our podcast on Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation called the joy of the gospel. 
And I don't know, maybe many of our listeners do or don't know this, but this summer, beginning July 1st, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is holding a first ever convocation for Catholic leaders in America. And so there will be about 3,000 people coming to Orlando, Florida in July, because that's, you know, always a great idea in <laughs> Orlando in July. And <laughs> Let's pick the hottest place in the continent. I, and- <laughs> I was like, could y'all like do Vermont or something? I mean, anyway, so it's, I have nothing to do with that. So, but uh, we're, and it's going to be on the joy of the gospel. And so I think it's an incredible time in the history of the church in the American church to really listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And so it's over the course from July 1st to July 4th. And it's going to delve into these areas of what is the Holy Spirit doing in America? What, what is the joy of the gospel? How is God calling us to live missionary discipleship? So we thought it was just a great idea just to revisit and delve into this apostolic exhortation from Pope Francis, who wrote this in 2013. You can read along with us. Uh, It's on the Vatican website for free. So The Joy of the Gospel by Pope Francis, and you can check that out for free, or you can get it on Amazon if you want it in a book form. So let's just talk a little bit about kind of what this exhortation is about. And Pope Francis, in his very first paragraph, he says this, and then we're going to, we can talk about this. He says, in this exhortation, I wish to encourage the Christian faithful to embark upon a new chapter of evangelization marked by this joy, this joy of the gospel, while pointing out new paths for the church's journey in the years to come. So, Michelle, you are our visionary, right? And I know this whole encyclical or this exhortation burns in your heart. So talk about that. Talk about this evangelization marked with joy and then this new paths for the church's journey for years to come. Well, when this document came out a couple of years ago, I remember reading it. And I mean, I was just blown away by it. And so um, like for us, we've had three talking about the three of us. We've had three great popes in our lifetime, you know, and I think for us, like if you think of the church as a family, like for us, majority of us that are our age, um, you know, 30s, um, early 40s, um, think that John Paul II basically raised us because he was pope for so long. Like, I feel like he is like the faithful grandfather. Um, and then we have Pope Benedict, which I know, sister, you're a big fan of Pope Benedict. And I like Pope Benedict, but I wasn't attached to him like I was John Paul II. Like when John Paul II mm-hmm. died, I cried all day long, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, that um, was hard. it was. But then when Pope Francis was elected pope and then he came, I'm like, oh, like I kind of felt like Benedict <laughs> was the uncle. And then Pope Francis was my other grandfather on the other side of the family that was more like me, you know, because uh, <laughs> John Paul II is so wise and philosophical, but very logical, where Pope Francis is kind of spicier because he's, um, you know, uh, comes from Latin America. And um, I loved it. So when I was reading Joy of the Gospel for the first time, I was like, oh, my goodness, like my heart would start beating faster. Like, this is it. But um, I think it is the Acts of the Apostles gospel. It brings the church back to her roots. But then it, yet it pushes the church forward in new and creative and bold ways, which I love. It's a both and. And I think anything, but it is um, like we just celebrated Pentecost this past weekend. And this Holy Spirit, this movement, this going forward, this making disciples of all nations, this boldness, this love is not something that happened 2000 years ago. It is something that is going on now. But they were marked because of their joy and their passion. You know, and I mean, we'll break it down later, but I love when he talks about, you know, there are Catholics that think the whole entire life is Lent and there is no Easter, you know, mm-hmm. there is no joy, but joy is contagious, you know, when there, it can change an atmosphere, you know, and I think it's one of the um, trademarks and landmarks of a um, 
spirit-filled, fully alive Catholic Christian, you know, mm-hmm. and he really breaks it down and, um, and a lot of poetic and fun language that I really like the whole darn thing. And so what about you, Heather? Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me about it was that it's not leading with like a whole bunch of like doctrine and moral issues and all of which is so important, so important that those are talked about, so important that we um, that we read and learn and discover and all of that. But he really is just getting back to the heart of the proclamation of the gospel, which I love. And just the way that he articulates things, it was, I've read, you know, many documents um, from the Holy Fathers, but this one in particular, I, I felt like he was speaking my language. He's so easy to understand. It's not, it's not difficult to understand his words. And he's so inspiring. You know, he, I feel like he just understands where the world is at. And we need to get back to the basics. It doesn't mean that we neglect the doctrines or the moral teachings, um, but that it has to be the heart and the proclamation of the gospel that infuses everything that we do. And getting back to the basics, I believe, is so important, even for people who have been faithful Catholics their entire life. We can't let go of the basics. And it's usually those simple teachings and simple understandings that we often forget and have to revisit. So I, I absolutely love this exhortation, and I was excited to get into it again. You know, I read it when it first came out, but rereading it again so we could do our podcast is just so inspiring, exciting, mm-hmm. really. Sister, what were some of your it, thoughts? It is beautiful. It's really beautiful and it's really challenging as well. And because deep within this, or I remember when I was taking a graduate school class when this came out, and at one point we were studying the document and the professor just stopped talking and he gave us 30 minutes to just do an examination of conscience based in areas where as workers of the church, we failed to live the joy of the gospel. And it was, it was so uh, convicting. And I think, you know, I've been in religious life almost 19 years and, you know, you see all kinds of things and, and sometimes it's, it's kind of easy to, to lose like, now why am I doing this again? You know, we're doing it for the love of Christ. And, and so the renewed call to joy, it was just really beautiful. And one of my favorite lines, one of the very famous passages from this exhortation is actually in the introduction. And I just love it because Pope Francis is going to be a father and he's going to invite us to encounter Christ again. And he says, I invite all Christians everywhere at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ, or at least an openness to letting him encounter you. And he says, I ask all of you to do this unfailingly each day because no one is excluded from the joy brought by the Lord. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you just start right there with this invitation to encounter, which is the seedbed. It is the foundation of our life as Christians. We have to, we can't live out the rest of it without having a daily encounter with the one who loves us. And so he does, he, he sows all the themes throughout this whole document about these areas of life of where we're called to go outside the walls of the church, where we're called to invite people in. But if I'm not experiencing the joy of the gospel, or at least open, even I don't care how long you've been in the church, if I'm not open, at least to Christ encountering me, it's going to be really hard to articulate and to radiate the joy of the gospel. And he's really telling us people, you know, you're loved live in that love and let's go spread, let's go spread the goodness, truth, and beauty. That's kind of what he's, <laughs> what he's calling us to. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love when he says like, even in the introduction, um, he's constantly amazing us by his divine creativity. <laughs> so oh. I was like, Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It's just that our God is creative and he's divine and he's ax- asking. And I think we have to stop even before we even dive deeper An exhortation. I think in Greek, it's like two forms. It means, um, it's the same word as like Holy Spirit is like paraclete. It's a helper. 
you know, so it's not only to proclaim, but it's also to aid and help, you know, and it's a calling near for like almost a calling near come closer, you know, so you can hear so I can help you. And this needs to come mm-hmm. forth and come to life, you know, and be and um, like sometimes when we think of exhortation, it kind of sounds like, I don't know, a little harsh to me, but um, maybe that might be just me. But no, it's like um, being prophetic, like there's, you know, like, come on, something's about to happen, you know, wake up church, here we go. Like things are, um, there's something that the church needs to, as mother needs to speak to our hearts. And there's something mm-hmm. the church needs to um, breathe into our lives and breathe into our lungs to become fully the church again. You know, and I think this is, it's just different than any, I guess, we, like we said before, we're so used to reading John Paul II's exhortations that this one is just even read differently, you know, um, to us. And so, yeah. You know, good stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, all of the stuff about encountering Christ, I love that quote. It's one of my favorites. I speak about it all the time. Um, One for me personally, because I think it's very important for myself, you know, to live this. Often we read things, we're like, wow, that's a great idea. And we don't know how to integrate it very well Mm -hmm. into our own life. And this is something that we cannot miss. We cannot miss that we are being called to a personal encounter with Christ on a daily basis. And... Mm -hmm. And I, I do I do believe that many of us are missing this. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's an unfortunate uh, situation that we find ourselves in. And Pope Francis has has spoken about this. You know, that the church is like a field hospital, and you know, there's a lot of um, different surveys that are happening in the church that we we are losing a lot of people. And it's not because they can't find what they're looking for in the church, but. I don't believe that they really maybe have encountered Christ in a deep and personal way. And maybe those of us who are, who are witnessing to them haven't encountered him. And so that is at the very heart, the very beginning. I feel like we need to go back there again and again, every single day. And he says, at least open ourselves up. Oh, to, I love that. At, at least an opening, you know, to that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a, an amazing exhortation um, that I would love to see Catholics begin to incorporate into their daily spiritual life is that every morning, whether they start, you know, whatever prayer that they're doing, that they stay in that, in that opening of the day that we open our hearts to an encounter with Christ. I think it's absolutely essential. This is what the whole Christian life is about. So if we're just wandering around and, you know, doing a, going to sacraments and, you know, practicing spiritual disciplines and all of that, but it lacks the encounter with Christ, you know, then it really has, has, missed the mark completely because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And the catechism, you know, states that very clearly that, you know, the sacraments aren't empty rituals and, you know, the grace can, can lie dormant unreleased in our lives if we're, our hearts are not open to encounter. And so that's, yeah, that's imperative. It's imperative, especially in today's society. And I, I love that Pope Francis is calling us to take a look at these things, you know, because he's saying, you know, we can't go on business as usual. I, I think, I can't remember who says that, but, I, you know, somebody, some speaker was saying that if we keep doing business as usual, we're going to go out of business. <laughs> so yeah. I think it was, I think it was Dr. Ralph Martin who said that. And it's an amen, brother, you know, amen. So what is the Holy Spirit doing now on earth? to bring the fire again, to bring the proclamation of the gospel. And that's what we're going to be delving into when we talk about this exhortation. And it has five chapters to it. Uh, the church's missionary transformation, the crisis of communal commitment, the proclamation of the gospel, the social dimension of evangelization, and spirit-filled evangelizers. So we're going to delve into a chapter really each week and kind of pull out some themes for you and, and talk about that. And, and especially as women, you know, where is 
where is Christ encountering us as women? Where is Christ encountering us as, as, as Christians in the world today? And so maybe we could talk a little bit about chapter one, just kind of delve into that, which is the church's missionary transform, uh, the church's missionary transformation. And so he's going to quote, Pope Francis is going to quote there from the gospel of Matthew when the, Jesus imparts the mission to the disciples. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these that I've commanded you. And Pope Francis says, in these verses, we see how the risen Christ sent his followers to preach the gospel in every time and place so that faith in him might spread to every corner of the earth. Heather, when you think about the faith spreading to the corner of the earth and the call really in this day and age in the modern era of Christ telling us this is our mission. So our mission is is not to remain stagnant. Our mission is not to kind of keep the peace, but to go out and bring the the power and the gospel of Christ. What does that speak to you as a woman and you as a mom and as a, as a wife and, and in your ministry as well? What is that speaking to you? It says a lot to me about a lot of different things. As I was reading this, I, it was very challenging. Like you said, you know, there was parts of this that were very, very challenging because he goes on to say that, um, that it's necessary that we go out. I, I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting and dirty because it's been out on the streets rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own security. That's a direct quote mm-hmm. that he says. And that is, that's where the challenge comes in. You know, sometimes the challenge is within our own families. Absolutely. You know, to, to love and proclaim the gospel there. Um, but I find it easier in my little nest, you know, with my children and my husband and we're, you know, sharing the gospel and teaching them. And, you know, there, I mean, it's very safe, very secure. There's something, beautiful about all of that and necessary. But when it talks about going into the dirty streets where people are hurting, oh boy, that starts to trigger some things in me. I'm like, that's <laughs> kind of scary. What if I get hurt? What if I, you know, and, and it shows uh, all my weakness begins to show up. And I'm like, but that's uncomfortable. That takes it to a whole different level. And that's where, you know, I, I, I do believe we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts in a new way to burn this fire where we can't contain it, where it's not something that we feel like we can hold in anymore. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's this joy that should be the fruit of encountering Christ. And I think the key of encountering Christ and the mission have to go from one another, like they're connected to each other. Because you can't go out and preach about somebody that you don't know, that you don't love. Oh, amen, sister. And that that you're not willing to lose your life for, you know, or have lost your life for, you know, in, in a sense, like that you've given your whole life under the Lordship of Christ. And um, and that theme in particular, the Lordship of Christ, has been coming up for me over and over again the last couple of weeks, that that really is the difference between being a churchgoer and having your whole life, you know, change is coming under the Lordship of Jesus. And that's <laughs> what the Holy Spirit does. You know, the Holy Spirit brings us under the, we can only say that Jesus is Lord with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. You're giggling over there, Michelle. What are you thinking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I totally agree with you. It's funny. I was listening to a podcast with, um, who was it? Shane Claiborne was on it. He wrote this book called Irresistible Revolution. Anyway, he's just really interesting. Um, he's really fun to listen to. But he was talking about when he encountered the gospel for this first time. People like, yeah, I was, people said, would say to me, I was so happy. I was so peaceful. He's like, it wrecked me. He's like, when I encountered the gospel for the first time, it wrecked me and turned my life upside down. 
He's like, because what gospel were they reading? Where it says, give away everything? You know, you're going to die on a cross? I mean, like, like what gospel were they reading? Because this one is, you know, it turned your life upside down. But it turned your life upside down in a good way. And I think mm-hmm. this, Pope Francis is talking about, okay, we have to get out of our comfort zones. A church that is comfortable, you know, like Pope Benedict said, you know, you were made for greatness, not comfort. And um, you cannot be comfortable. Like he's going to stretch us and he's going to make us grow. But the whole idea of being a missionary disciple, you know, that is not um, he talks about later in the document, a missionary option. You really don't have an option not to be a missionary. I'm sorry. And you're as a baptized Catholic, as priest, prophet, and king, it's in your job description. You know, you're already there. So you don't have the option to opt out. Like it's a calling. Like you can ignore it, but it is really already in your DNA. It's already in your spiritual DNA to go out and make disciples of all nations. And um, I remember this year we are, um, some of us are part of a non-denominational um, movement called If Gathering. And they had um, Jill Briscoe came and spoke, and she is a woman, probably 80s, anyway, served missionary all of her life, was a contemporary. C.S. Lewis taught her, like at Oxford. How cool is that? Mm. But she's talking about um, going, and she told the Lord, Lord, I am tired. I've been serving you all my life. I'm tired right now. Like, I want to go home. She was talking about she was in Africa. She worked for a humanitarian organization. He said, you go where I send you. You stay there until I tell you to leave and you serve the people I tell you to serve. You know, Mm. you belong to Mm. me, you know? Mm. And I think some of us think of missionary, you know, like we're called to foreign lands. Now we're called where we're called right at that moment. Or I will be a missionary when I will do this when. No, it's like an extension of our everyday life. It's an extension of that encounter is living missionary. That is what we're called to. And it really struck me is um, we designed, I designed a shirt for Blessed is She. We talked about it earlier, but I put the three places where um, three of the Therese's were. And on the front of the shirt, it says Avila, Lasu, Calcutta. And I didn't put their names. I put their places. Because why is it that we name these people after the places that they served? You know, it really struck me. They were missionary. They were missionary where they served, and especially St. Teresa of Avila and St. Teresa of Lisieux. Like St. Teresa of Lisieux never left the convents, but yet she was the greatest missionary. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about location. It's about location of the heart and where it's supposed to spill over, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it looks so different for everyone. And it is so um, unique. And he, Pope Francis talks about that. It's the community's job to discern what unique path each of us are called to in missionary discipleship. And it's going to look different, but you're still called, you know, and so... Sister, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree. And I think that this is not another thing that to add to your to-do list or not yeah. Christ is not trying to make us say, okay, here's one more thing you have to do because that can feel overwhelming. And as women, our lives are very busy already, aren't they? And so this is not something that's an added on. This is what gives life. This is what gives the, the radiance of God's beauty in our life is when we continually encounter we, like every person listening to this at this moment, as you cr- allow Christ to continually encounter you, that love, the, the good is diffusive of itself. Love always wants to pour itself out. That's ecstatic union. So God is going out of himself to give himself to us, to bring us back into his own beautiful life. And that is our call. And I, I was just, I can't remember if I said this on this podcast, but uh, several months ago, I was helping somebody in the kitchen of this retreat center. They needed help. And I jumped in to help her and I was her sous chef for the day. And she, <laughs> I got such a, I got school that day. She loves Robert Irvine. Do you know who Robert Irvine is? He's a no. chef on the, the Food Network, I think. And so he had a show called Restaurant Impossible. He's this big, like muscular guy. And he, oh, he does yeah, a lot yeah. of like, 
yeah, he does a lot of volunteer work. And so she loves Robert Irvine. And so she was telling me about how he does his technique for the dish we were making. And she got to see him on the road. She got, she was chosen to be on like the cooking staff for this show that she's on the road. She got a picture with him. She had the video of her cooking with him and she gushed for about 30 minutes. I didn't say a thing except when she was correcting my technique. And so, <laughs> so I, I walked out of that kitchen. I was a Robert Irvine fan and I was like, what just happened here? She totally evangelized me on Robert Irvine. <laughs> and that, you know, I got school and I was like, that is, that's what happens is that we will evangelize whatever we love. We're evangelizing all the time. It's just a matter of what we're evangelizing about, you know? Yeah. And so that, that, reality of, and I love what Pope Francis says that, you know, he said mere administration is church, people in the church, he said mere administration can no longer be enough. We must be permanently in a state of mission to speak of what we love, to speak of, you know, where one Christianity is what one beggar telling another where they found bread, yeah. where I, I met Christ, where in my marriage is making a difference where, you know, and so that's for us, this, this call to missionary transformation, that's how the gospel is preached. I'm so captivated in the Easter season by the acts of the apostles. And especially when it says that they, they were, they rejoiced because they were found worthy to suffer dishonor for the Lord's name. And those verses always blow me away. And, you know, here's this, these men that were so afraid and have been transformed by the Holy spirit. And now they're changing the world. And, and that's our call. Our call is that in continual encounter, you know, with <laughs> with the Holy Spirit to change the world. And that's what you know. That's what the and it's from like as Pope Francis, it's from the heart of the gospel, right? It's from the very heart of the gospel that we're called to do this. Mm. So that's awesome. That's good. There's this one part in there that I I love. It says an evangelizing community gets involved by word and deed in people's daily lives. It it bridges distances. It's willing to abase itself. If necessary, and it embraces human life, touching the suffering flesh of Christ in others. Evangelizers thus take on the smell of the sheep, and the sheep are willing to hear their voice. I love, love that part, and it really is what you're okay. talking about. What that part about the smell of sheep? I actually googled how do sheep smell because I really <laughs> wanted to know. Is this like a scratch and sniff podcast? I totally. I had the same thought. We're going to send you sheep scratch and sniff sticker so you can find out. <laughs> and what I found is that sheep really don't smell offensive, but they are one of the animals that have the strongest senses of smell out of almost any of the animals. So they can smell, especially they can smell um, danger out of everything. And they can hear their uh, shepherd's voice better than almost any other animal. And so, and they can sense and smell him. So there, there's it. Smell like the sheep. Just so you know, I did Google that. Yeah. <laughs> Random sheep facts by Michelle Bensinger. Thank you. <laughs> She's coming by honestly, folks. That's how she rolls. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, the quote itself is absolutely inspiring in many, many ways, and and it is what you're talking about, both of you. Really, it's it's getting into the day to day with people's lives, and and this joy is a part of the fruit of us experiencing the gospel. You know, it should overflow in our hearts when we're experiencing a continual cycle of the Paschal mystery, the the passion and death and resurrections happening in our own life because God is working powerfully in every situation and circumstance. How could we not want to share that with people? And Mm -hmm. if we're having a difficult time sharing the gospel, you know, it does beg the question, where am I living it and how am I experiencing it personally? 
and that personal experience of the gospel in our everyday life and experiencing the power of the gospel is going to infuse everything that we say about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the part that is convicting, exciting, you know, encouraging. It's, it's, an, it's an invitation, really. To re-encounter the gospel again. Maybe some of us have grown cold. Maybe, you know, we, we've distanced ourselves from that. Maybe, you know, it's something we know in our head but haven't experienced in our heart. So really, this is, as much as it is, you know, ascending onto mission, it's also an invitation to re-encounter the gospel and the person of Jesus and who he really is. Amen. That's, yeah, definitely. And that's really the call, isn't it? And yeah, you were quoting, um, I know both of you have quoted this already, but when you're talking about, you know, Pope Francis saying, I prefer church, who's bruised, I prefer church, you know, that it's not closed in, that's not stagnant, it's going out. And I believe, Michelle, I think you mentioned this earlier, that, you know, we refer to church as mother, mother church, even the way St. Peter Square is built, you know, Barnini broke, those are arms, that those, those walls that go out, they're walls that go out to the world, to embrace the world, to bring the church in, to bring the people in, the church is a mother. And so I think we as women, especially we have that heart for the individual. That's part of our feminine genius. We talked about that in one of our series on the feminine genius, that we are attentive to the individual to bring them to see the need and bring them into places of love, of healing and restoration. I don't know, Michelle, that speaks strongly to you. It just kind of your heart is a gatherer and a nurturer in those areas as well. Yeah. And I love the, in the first chapter in the, you know, in the missionary transformation that talks about a mother with an open heart, you know, mm-hmm. Pope Francis addresses that part. And, um, just had interesting conversations with different people in um, ministry in the last two weeks that are seeing real fruit in um, their uh, ministries. But one of them is basing their ministry on base attachment theory, which totally stood out to me because I have two children that are adopted. So how do you attach people to other people? And you attach it to other people by um, trust, but by relationship, by feeling like they belong before they behave well. They belong just mm. simply by being, you know, and I think that's what Pope Francis is saying that like, oh, let the church be mothering. Yes, there is a time for moral doctrine and correction, but they need to feel like they belong before they have to behave, you know, and believe that they, you belong to a family that has to come first, this belonging. And I think that we have a real um, opportunity and invitation as women in the church right now to become nurturers become people that attach other people to Mother Church in a nurturing way. Pope Francis is not going to change moral doctrine. He is not going to do it. Like people well, he are can't. Yeah. Yeah. He, can't. Mm-hmm. he will not change moral doctrine, but he will invite us to explore pastoral care, you know, really outside of our comfort zones than how we have done it before. He's making the church go out of our comfort zones to pastorally care and be mother in the fullness that she is supposed to be, you know. Um, I think a lot of us feel like the church is a sleeping beauty and Mm -hmm. uh, the Holy Spirit has kissed her and she's starting to wake up now. But I think as women, we are the ones that help. um, Not that men are not doing anything. They are totally have their role too. But our role as women is to nurture and attach other women and people to the mother church, you know, Um, which is going to be messy. Like I can tell you from adoption, it's messy and hard. And um, one of the big things is, um, that we put on, I have, I used to have it on my window seal. Don't take it personally, you know? Mm. And I was like, you know what? I need to remember that also when I encounter people, you know, outside of the walls of the church, well, actually more so in the walls of the church, don't <laughs> take it personally, <laughs> Amen. you know, 
Because if they're behaving in a certain way, they're acting just like an orphan that hasn't been loved, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and needs to be nurtured and brought into the family, you know. Amen. So. That is one of the biggest things that I learned from doing my own work, you know, and by work, I mean like the interior work of healing and, you know, seeking God's restoration in my own life. I realized how much I re- react to my own story, to woundedness that's happened mm. in my own life. And those are the places that I need the love of God and his community, you know, people who are supposed to bring the love of God to me. And it's really softened my heart to other people, realizing, wow, they have a story too. Why are they acting like this right now? And instead of getting super defensive or taking everything personally to take a moment to pause, you know, even in my, even with my spouse to say, hmm, I'm not sure this is about me. You know, it, not out loud. Gosh, that wouldn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try this at home, people. Don't try this at home. Exactly. <laughs> we need the disclaimer. Yeah, but interiorly to take a pause and to say, how can I be the healing love of Christ right now to this person? They have a story. You know, there might be wounds here that just need some tenderness that, that a woman can give in a way that no one else can. Yeah. Well, and when we, when we know we're loved, we can absorb the why behind the what as well. Because yeah. if I don't know that I'm loved and I don't know that this, what God hands down to us and how the, the gospel that Christ preaches is for my excellence as a human person, to me, it's just going to sound like a bunch of rules. But if I know that I'm loved and I know that Christ is calling me to excellence in every aspect of my life, I know that I can do that through his grace. And then I can say, oh, this makes sense. This is rational. Like the, what the church teaches is rational. God is reasonable. He's, he's the logos, divine logos. He's order. So that we, it makes sense. And so I can understand more deeply. But all, if, if all I get at the front door is this list of this and this. And I don't know, understand why. Well, why am I going to do that? Don't tell me what to do. Said every kindergartner ever. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I, I think as women that we have that gift, that belovedness, that gift of, of bringing people into community. We're, we're experts in relationship as John Paul II said, and uh, that's a call that we, that, you know, that we're a first that you and I must be encountered continually by Christ so that we're reminded that we're beloved daughters of the King. That's who we are. That's our deepest identity and that we're loved. And I love this last sentence that ends chapter one, where Jesus says, you know, he's Pope Francis is saying that people are starving and Jesus does not tire of saying to us, give them something to eat. So as women, we're really good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you eaten yet? Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, before we go into our one thing, so we just encourage all of our listeners, okay, if this sounds something that's up your alley, so the joy of the gospel, you can check it out uh, this week, maybe the first chapter, read the introduction of the first chapter, and go on a journey with us, go on a missionary journey with us as we delve into this joy of the gospel. So, ladies, it is time for our one thing for the week. So, Heather, do you have a one thing? you want to share with our listeners i do my one thing is priestly ordinations i just went to um an ordination of three uh for three priests in our diocese and that was on saturday and it was beautiful if anybody hasn't been to an ordination you really need to go this is the season for ordinations generally speaking and it was absolutely stunning it was one of those moments where you see the beauty of the church. You know, it allows you to lift your eyes from the maybe your day-to-day or week-to-week experience of your local parish um, to the bigger church, to the mission of the church. And it just ties in with the joy of the gospel in a particular way because these young men were, were so joyful. It was just, 
you couldn't miss it, you know. I mean, two of them were Italian, so it was really hard to miss because there was a lot of cheering at the end when they were walking down the aisle. Great. It was just wonderful. It was so wonderful. But, you know, our our Archbishop, um, Archbishop Michael Miller, he's really amazing. We're so blessed to have him. But he... His whole homily was basically the joy of the gospel, and he talked about smelling like the sheep and um, just yeah, and just like you know his love for the church, like his fatherly heart, and he's pouring out his fatherly heart to these young men who are now becoming fathers. You know, it was just a beautiful thing from the music to you know the, all of the tradition and the litany of the saints and all of that. So I was just once again totally enamored with our beautiful church and um, the prayers and yeah, everything about it. it was so sacred and holy and, and exciting and joyful all at the same time. So that's my one thing for this week. Mm-hmm. Michelle, what's your one thing girl? My one thing for the week is um, darling magazine. And so they're just an amazing women's uh, magazine. They're based out of California and their mission statement is unbelievable, but they embody everything. Like we were talking about joy of the gospel because they're bold and creative um, and they bring beauty, truth, and goodness. It's where a place where beauty, truth, and goodness intersects in the world and spills over, you know, and um, I'm just a big fan. I think it's just very um, creative and out of the box and um, their mission is something that I fully support and, um, and it is just beautiful. Like aesthetically, it's just uh, blissful to flip through the pages and um, yeah, that's good. Sister, what about you? Uh, I think when we talk about missionary transformation, I was so struck, you know, we had that women's retreat with Heather last a couple months ago now, and Debbie Herbeck was one of our speakers, and I loved her Be Love Revolution, that ministry that she has, especially to middle school girls, I believe it's grade Mm 5th to 8th, and uh, she showed us a promo video for her camp that she has, and I thought, Man, I can only imagine when I was that age, middle school, what a tender age and what a very specific demographic. And I know Debbie mentors women of all ages, but her heart is for middle school girls. And I absolutely love that. It was so inspiring for me to see another woman out there on the front lines, just giving her heart to these young women, changing their lives, changing their whole lives. So Debbie Herbeck and the Be Love Revolution for me, I think she's a website attached to that and just kind of what they do and their curriculum and just really incredible. So she, her, she and my, her ministry is my one thing this week. She's a beautiful woman. She is. And she's about to expect her first, not her first, but her grandchild's due any day now. So so just before we close up, I want to give a shout out to all our male listeners. I know we talk about, oh, you yes. know, a lot of womenly things, but men, you know who you are. And I just want to give a special shout out. to. <laughs> I especially love when you text or message us privately, never, uh, you know, publicly on Facebook or anything else that you're listening and what you liked. We love that. You can keep on doing that. You know, that's it. <laughs> they're all like, no, no. They're all hiding in their cars <laughs> listening, or they definitely have earbuds on when they're listening to our podcast. <laughs> like, what are you they're listening like, to? Nothing. <laughs> dude, abiding together. What? I'm sorry. What? ESPN abiding together? Her like. <laughs> awesome. Oh, love you, men. Oh, men are such a great gift. Amen. 
<laughs> well, thank you once again for joining us on our very first episode in this series of The Joy of the Gospel. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, would you please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with a friend? You can visit us on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. You can visit us on our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. We really appreciate it. And we will be journeying with you and we encounter the joy of the gospel this week. So we will see you next week for chapter two. God bless you. Have a great week.